0: and he's behind, not, not, not behind, but he doesn't want to do the payments anymore. Yeah, I
1: know that situation for sure.
0: Is there anything, because I, 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 I want to be like really uh, clear on it, but is there a way to help someone who just want to get out of their payments?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So anybody- <laughs> Well,
2: what is take the course and just <laughs> yeah. enjoy it.
1: That's a fact. So if somebody doesn't want their payments anymore, they don't want to pay their car note, whether they're down in a situation. For example, somebody's in the army, right? They're now getting deployed or on people on reserve, they, they're they now leaving the country and your car's now just sitting there. Right. But you still get that email saying the car note's due. No, That's the worst thing in the world, paying for something that you know you ain't using. Right. Right. Not only that, the car is actually rotting away Cars are meant to move, so if it's not moving, the parts are going to be real sticky and it's not going to be working real well. So you reach out to a person like that, or a lot of people don't know they can reach out to me directly. If they knew, they would, but the other people don't know that you can either, you have a couple options. You can have one of your friends, your brothers or sisters rent out the car for you, or you can use a, a rental car management company that exists to put it on Turo and have your car, car being used for you. But some people say, well, that's my personal car. I don't want to run it out. And this ain't for you. Because if you got an emotional attachment to cars, that's oh, the issue in itself. My, in my course, I teach the mindset of, why are we having an emotional attachments to these cars?
2: Yeah.
1: The feeling that you get while driving the car only exists while you're driving the car. For sure. And <laughs> only for like that first year. And, <laughs> I got a section called that, buyer's remorse.
3: Yeah.
1: That's the worst. When you buy a car, I'm like, dang. You like the car the first month, second month, then you see the new version of the car next year. Not even next year, six months later. Yeah. Like, dang, that got all the features. <laughs> like, mine, mine don't got all that.
0: Especially you know when, that? You get, when you first get a car, you don't eat in your uh, car. Oh, you man. <laughs> not, not your car yet. Uh,
1: <laughs> you, your car is so dirty that when you get a, a, a random person who want to ride with you, like, you got to let them know up front, yo, my car wasn't ready for you. <laughs> <laughs> every to every, <laughs> every time. When my car dirty, don't judge me right. every time. But in the beginning. It's
0: normally cleaner than this. I, before,
1: <laughs> hey, you, you want to ride with me? Right,
0: take your shoes off. You saw
1: that? <laughs> that's that new car. That's that new leather smell.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hilarious. That's real. All right, so,
0: so who do you recommend the Toro business for?
1: So, really, I recommend the car rental business. So, you don't necessarily have to. So, not just Toro, Just car rental period there's so many platforms Mm. there's fetch truck so if you have a truck that's just sitting there doing nothing there's a platform just for that your course is on all like oh every path we call we talk about rental utilizations meaning you don't even have to rent a car out on short-term basis like Turo you can rent it out just for photo shoots just for weddings just for car shows right Mm. and you can develop your own customer base using social media websites Turo, the benefit of Turo is they provide all-inclusive platform for you to be able to not have to worry about really not, not, nothing. They provide the clients, the background check, the messaging portal, the um, payouts. You don't have to get your own payment processor. Ooh. They provide all of that. However, that. you do not have to use them. You can use your own platform, if, and depending on your utilization, people book cars just for photo shoots or video shoots and say – Say you want to book your car. I don't want nobody driving my car. I get it. I shouldn't be using this car as just a liability. I want to make it an asset, but I still don't want people driving my car. So I'm going to just do photo shoots, Mm
4: -hmm.
1: video shoots. You drive the car there and nobody's driving it. They just get in, take their pictures, and get out. That's a crucial model.
0: And you make 150, 200, 250. I'll, I'll,
1: I'll be double dipping. I'll do a photo shoot. For one hour, somebody paid me 350 for a picture of an i8 or two hours, and then that same day, somebody will book it for the day. Mm. I can double dip. You can do multiple photo shoots in one day.
2: Wow. It's
1: all about the marketing. I do that with my Airbnbs too. My Airbnbs, people think that you just because you have keys to, to a condo is only used for overnight lodging. Yeah there's a platform called Peerspace where people go, you know Peerspace yeah, people, sure. people can book your, your spot for an event, photo shoot, meeting yeah. and that same night you can have a check in for Airbnb, double dip mm. so you get to the bag out here man. yeah it's only through experience I would never have known all this if I didn't actively touch people and the more, and here's the part, the more I share this information, the more opportunities of what I can do was shared with me People say, oh, you know about this platform too? Dang, I didn't know about it. Somebody put me on to a fetch mm. truck. Somebody put me on into a higher car. I didn't know about a higher car, because if I did in the beginning, I probably would have bought a bunch of Hyundai Sonatas, 2018 Hyundai Sonatas for $16,000, and rented mm. it out to a nurse or an Uber driver who needs their car and is willing to pay $400 a week. Mm. Like my, my Kia Stinger is a luxury economy car. It's like a high-end Kia. It's like a, it's it's dang near a a sports car. But it Mm. only cost me like $23,000. And with Uber, they keep the car. It's a long term. Yes, that's the beautiful thing about doing business with a business, B2B. Because they need this to make their income.
4: Another common example of mortgage fraud here in Nevada is using false information on loan applications. Now, today... Lending standards have become much more strict, and uh, lenders will want to verify your income and your assets and your debts and and your taxes before authorizing a loan. But back in the day before the market crashed, there were lots of mortgages that were issued based on what was called stated income. And... Uh, the sort of going to term in the industry, liar loans. Liar loans because people would lie. They they would lie about their income. They would lie about the assets that they had for collateral. They would lie about their debts and and liabilities. And none of this w- w- was really verified. And what I think a lot of people didn't realize or, or didn't sort of pay attention to at the time is that they were signing under penalty of perjury that all of this information was true and correct. And today what we're seeing is state and federal authorities going back and prosecuting many of these people for mortgage fraud, for perjury, based on this misinformation uh, that they put in their applications. And the reality of the situation is that a lot of these uh, uh, listing agents and and uh, escrow officers and and lenders had an incentive to push these deals through. They wanted their commissions, and so they would really coach the loan applicants in what they needed to say to meet the lending standards, to get the loan even if that meant providing misinformation and the culture in the industry sort of became that that this was just how things were done these were how deals were made this is how people got their homes this is how people made their investments everybody was doing it it wasn't seen as something that was unethical or illegal and people who did provide misinformation and and perjure themselves Never imagined that they would someday face the consequences of being prosecuted for a felony and going to prison for what they did.
2: And everyone knows that I love reading books. And I want to tell you guys about the Rick Ross book. It's called Hurricanes. I'm going to give it to you guys free of charge using Audible. The link will be in the description and the link will be in the first comment. All you have to do is click the link, follow what I'm doing on the screen, or just click the link and it's free of charge. If you don't like the service or if you don't like Audible, if you don't like audiobooks, you can cancel the service or you can leave their actual company and you get to keep the two free books it's free of charge zero dollars if you're looking at the screen so make sure you click the link in my description or the first comment and make sure you enjoy that rick ross book that will be the book of the month so tap in and let me know thanks so much for getting to this video i want to let you guys know about my tube tool buddy to slash strong a lot of people been hitting me up yo how do i get my channel to the next level Click the link in the description or the first comment, or you can just go to TubeBuddy.com. It's T-U-B-B-U-D-D-Y.com slash strong. It'll let you sign up for free. That way you can take your channel to the next level. That's it for today. I'm signing out. I'm in the news with it, and I will catch you on the next one.
5: Little Dirk is one of the most notorious rappers in the Chicago drill era of hip hop music. With almost five million followers on Instagram, it's safe to say that Little Dirk has a solid fan base that isn't going anywhere anytime soon. Dirk's melodic style of drill music is a big reason why he stood out compared to other Chicago rappers during his rise to stardom. But just like most of the other Chicago rappers, A big part of Lil Durk's appeal was the authenticity of his music. You knew that Lil Durk was rapping about real-life experiences and not just some make-believe nonsense to sell records. In addition to that, Lil Durk was also respected by a lot of his peers due to his efforts of speaking out against gang violence in Chicago. And the reason why he gained so much respect for that is because Lil Durk actually lived that kind of lifestyle before rapping, and wants his fans, or just anyone in general, to know that gang life is not something that you ever want to be a part of. Curious what kind of street antics Lil Durk got into? Well, we have you covered. Here is an exclusive inside look at the criminal history of Lil Durk. Little Dirk had his first documented arrest in October of 2011. According to multiple reports, Little Dirk was charged with a few different gun charges, with the main one being possession of a firearm with a defaced serial number. A gun charge is no joke in Chicago, so this was a pretty serious first charge, especially with the serial number being scratched off the gun. Having no serial number gives the cops a good reason to think that the weapon is being used for criminal-like reasons. At his sentencing, Little Dirk pled guilty to a reduced charge of aggravated, unauthorized use of a weapon. Little Dirk spent three months in jail and was later released on bond, but was later sent back to serve 87 more days. Even though this was Little Dirk's first conviction, it still made Dirk a convicted felon. Little Dirk's next arrest was on June 5th, 2013. According to court records, Little Dirk was hanging around on South Green Street, Chicago when police approached him to investigate a call of a man with a gun. This must have caught Little Dirk off guard because he apparently took a loaded 40 caliber handgun out of his waistband and quickly threw it in his car. Little Dirk obviously wasn't very stealthy when doing this because the police clearly saw Dirk do this, which gave them enough probable cause to search his vehicle. After a quick search, Chicago police arrested Little Dirk right on the spot. Dirk's charge was unlawful use of a weapon by a felon. Little Dirk was held on a $100,000 bond and his lawyer would later claim to have nine affidavits from witnesses who can confirm Little Dirk was innocent. One witness even admitted that the gun was his and not Little Dirk's. Dirk was released about a month later on July 18th, 2013. Little Dirk's next run-in with the law wasn't an arrest, but rather a shootout that took place while he was on tour. Sources say that a shootout happened just hours before Little Dirk's scheduled performance at the Theater of Living Arts in Center City, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The shootout left Little Dirk's tour bus damaged by gunfire and also left one man dead. Little Dirk was not arrested or questioned by the police. No other updates were made public on this situation as well. This next incident is just an update from when he was arrested on June 5th, 2013 on felony gun charges. According to court records, Little Dirk was ordered to court on August 19th, 2016, where the judge dropped all of his charges. The judge must have noticed that he was changing his ways and admired that he was speaking out against Chicago gang violence. Shortly after, Little Dirk moved to Atlanta where he became completely focused on music and even claimed to be a studio rat. Little Dirk managed to stay out of trouble for about three years. But it all came to an end after Dirk became a wanted man by the Fulton County Police Department. Multiple reports claimed that Little Dirk had a warrant issued for his arrest and planned to charge Little Dirk with criminal intent to commit murder, aggravated assault, possession of a firearm during commission of a felony, possession of a firearm by a convicted felon, and associating with a criminal street gang to participate in a crime. And here's the kicker. All of these charges stem from the King Vaughn incident that we covered in a video a few days ago. The link to that video will be in the top left corner and in the description below. I highly suggest you check that out to get more details on this situation. Anyways, Duke's Jeep was allegedly the car used in the shooting, and Dirk, Vaughn, and another OTF affiliate, BayZoo, or Zoo, were all reported to be in the car at the time of the shooting. Since the situation was so serious, Atlanta is charging all of them with the same charges regardless of who actually pulled the trigger. King Vaughn was the first to get arrested, and then it was Zoo, and now all that was left was Lil Durk. A few days after hearing about the warrants for his arrest, Lil Durk posted on his Instagram story, Turning myself in tomorrow. This was a huge shock to his fans since nobody expected him to be involved in a shooting, especially after all his success. The next day, Dirk dropped a song called Turn Myself In. And just a few hours later, he actually did turn himself in.
3: Little Dirk kidnapping is an extremely serious crime here in the state of Nevada. Kidnapping is divided into two categories. First degree kidnapping and second degree kidnapping. First degree kidnapping is defined under NRS... 200.310 as abducting or carrying somebody away for the purpose of committing a sexual assault, extortion or robbery, or for the purpose of killing or causing serious bodily harm to somebody. And the penalties for first degree kidnapping are up to life in prison. Second degree kidnapping would be all other forms of kidnapping. And that would include, for example, a couple who are having an argument in a car and the passenger says she wants to get out of the vehicle and the driver says, no, I want to talk, you're coming with me and drives off. Technically, the state could charge that as a kidnapping because you're carrying someone away against their will. Your purpose may not be to cause any harm to them, but the mere movement of someone against their will can constitute kidnapping. Second degree kidnapping carries a penalty of up to 15 years. And in any case of kidnapping, NRS 193.165 also provides for an additional penalty of up to 20 years if a deadly weapon is used in the course of a kidnapping. We've seen a lot of media attention here in the state of Nevada, particularly in Las Vegas, regarding homeowners association fraud. And we saw a lot of schemes here where there was rigging of elections, where homeowners boards were stacked and decisions were made about how to go about spending money that the homeowners contribute to maintain their residence for improper purposes. Homeowners association fraud can be broken down into three distinct categories. Category one would be embezzlement or theft. Category two would be election rigging And Category 3 would be bribery. Embezzlement involves taking money that's intended to be used for the benefit of the homeowners or condo association owners and using it for some other purpose. Such as, for example, if a member of a homeowner's board paid their own bills uh, with money that belonged to the association. Or, um, you know, charge things, charge meals, charge personal meals um, to the homeowners association when they were not being used for some community service. Election rigging has to do with falsifying ballots, um, engaging in behavior to manipulate people into voting for certain members of the board. Uh, in an immoral or unscrupulous manner by offering some types of favoritism or kickbacks. This would be uh, election rigging. And election rigging is a felony here in the state of Nevada and carries a penalty of up to four years in state prison. Finally, bribery would be uh, an arrangement whereby members of the Homeowners Association board, steer a certain contract. It could be landscaping, it could be pool cleaning, it could be doing repainting of the structures inside the homeowners association where they pay a contract to the provider of the service and money is clandestinely returned to them as a kickback for steering, uh, certain projects to a particular vendor.
0: What's up? This your boy, Big Man. You already know what it is, man. So let's get right to it. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about YFN Lucci. Now, YFN Lucci just got into the news lately because of something not related to his other court case. Now, what I mean is he was sued by a rapper, him and PB Rock to be exact, man. Now, the last time we checked in with YFN Lucci... He had just been released from jail after being charged with murder and a couple of other charges involving a shooting that took place in Atlanta, man. It was a real wild situation, and it's gone kind of quiet, man, because, you know, the folks, they were basically coming for wife and Lucci, and they got him. He was arrested. I did several videos. They dropped a 911 call that led to the to his arrest. They also, man posted the fact that he was out on bond it was a whole bunch of stuff going on with YF and lucci last month or even should i say the month before that now the last we heard of him he got out and now we're going to be talking about this court case now in the court case it looks like him and B rock were being accused of taking somebody's song for their hit every day we lit now YF and lucci And his camp has yet to say anything about this situation. But PNB Rock and them got taken to court. And I'm going to tell you how it went. Not in their favor. Now, before we get into the specifics, do me a favor. Make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. And man, let's get it. Okay, now that we got that out of the way, let's talk about this YFN Lucci PNB Rock court case. Now, to be honest, it was more directed towards PNB Rock. Because in this story, it talks about uh, the fact that YF and Lucci might have already made some type of separate agreement for this situation. Now, it doesn't go into any specifics, but this is the case, man. So, there's a New Jersey rapper by the name of Rat Boy Cam. Now, Rat Boy Cam was suing PMB Rock and YF and Lucci. And he actually won the lawsuit. Now, the lawsuit was a copyright infringement case. And it was over the song, Every Day We Lit. Now, for those of you who don't know, YFN Lucci Man was on a tear for a while. He had a whole bunch of hit songs that came out, man. And Every Day We Lit was one of them. Now, it was featuring a Philadelphia rapper by the name of P.M.B. Rock. Now, a lot of you might not be, you know, up on Game about P.M.B. Rock. Even though he's pretty significant in the hip hop game around that time frame, you know what I mean? He's gone a little quiet since then, but you know, during that time he was really, really lit out here, man. No pun intended. Now, in this lawsuit, it was saying that PMB rock and and the producer June James had stolen from this New Jersey rapper, Rack Boy. Now, Rack Boy had a song called Everything Be Lit. Now, just off the name, you could tell they're similar. Now, when I listened to both songs, I mean, I kind of heard what was familiar between the two, man, you know, the similarities. But it looks like, man, my opinion doesn't matter because a judge, I mean, basically awarded uh, Rack Boy $1.7 million in a judgment, man. Now, this is what it says in a complex article in the news. It basically says this. It says, in 2018 lawsuit, in a 2018 lawsuit, excuse me, Rackboy argued that the song Every Day We Lit, on which the three aforementioned artists were featured, is deeply similar to his effort, Everything Be Lit. Earlier this month, Boy's lawyer, Christopher W. Nero, secured a significant copyright infringement victory that netted his client over $1.7 million. Since an agreement was already reached with wife and Lucy, like we said earlier, and think it's a game records, The judgment was made against PNB Rock and the song's producer, June James. Now, this gets really interesting because the way that they split it up. So basically, in the judgment, they said this. He got... Over one point four million dollars in cash, or he was granted one point four million dollars in cash, and close to two hundred and sixty-eight thousand in, in prejudgment interest. So a running and a running royalty plus costs and injunction against James and Allen's exploitation of the infringing work. Man, that sounds like they threw the book at PNB Rock in there, man, because. That, yeah, that counts up to about $1.7 million. But then the running royalty and all that, and interest, man, that's, that's crazy, man. So, dude took to social media, and a lot of people have been talking about this, right? I've seen Say Cheese posted earlier. I've seen a lot of different news sources posted. I think complex news is the closest to this situation, but it looks like... The
3: penalties are up to five years in the state prison if force was involved, up to four years in state prison if there was no force, and if the panderer uh, forces someone under the age of 18 to engage in sex, the penalty is up to 20 years in state prison, and if no force was used with a minor, it's up to 10 years in state prison. Additionally, the fines can be very severe, up to a half a million dollars for someone convicted of pandering. There
6: are a variety of circumstances in which self-defense may become an issue in a criminal case. Uh, It could be a situation where somebody uses deadly force and they've killed somebody and the defendant is claiming I use that force to protect myself or to protect somebody else, because under the law in the state of Nevada, you have the same right to defend yourself as you do to use self-defense to defend somebody else who's in a position of vulnerability. Additionally, under the law in the state of Nevada, you have the right to use deadly force against A burglar that comes into your home with the intent to commit a felony or cause substantial bodily harm to somebody. We represent a lot of people involved in disturbances, fist fights, often alcohol is a factor but it's very common in Las Vegas, people are coming to have a good time and sometimes You know, things get out of hand uh, and people get into fights when they're out trying to have a good time. Um, It's not uncommon in those situations for the police to come and just arrest everybody and charge everybody with a crime. Uh, However, there's nothing in the law that says that you have to tolerate someone else's abuse. So if somebody else is physically aggressive with you, Um, you have the right to defend yourself. So if you've been charged with a battery and that battery stemmed from some type of of quarrel um, where you felt legitimately that you had to defend yourself and used physical force in doing so, um, it's important that you hire an attorney that will aggressively defend you and assert your right to self-defense in order to either uh, convince the prosecutor to drop the charges altogether, or uh, to win your case uh, with a self-defense argument at trial, another area where self-defense can come into play is with relate in relation to battery, domestic violence, a quarrel between, for example, a husband and a wife, um, often it's a neighbor that calls the police. The police come, they may hear arguing back and forth. In Nevada, most often it seems that law enforcement tends to arrest the, the person that got the worst of it so that if somebody has a mark, the presumption is, well, the other party was the aggressor, the other party should be taken in. But it doesn't always work out that way. It could be that, um, that the person that has the injury is the one that started the fight. And it's not always the man that, that does the battering. Sometimes, um, you know, a woman might throw something or a woman might swing at, punch her domestic partner. And the, the man might simply be responding or defending himself. In those situations, self-defense certainly may come into play, and an aggressive uh, defense attorney will assert that uh, you were only you—you know—you were exercising your right to self uh, your, to, to defend yourself, which is which is perfectly lawful. I'm attorney Michael Becker with the Las Vegas Defense Group. If you Or a loved one has been charged with a criminal offense in Las Vegas or throughout the state of Nevada, trust in me and my legal team to get your case dismissed or otherwise negotiate a resolution that causes minimal harm to you and your future.
3: The majority of automobile searches involve situations where a driver simply consents to the search of his vehicle. You as the owner of a vehicle have the absolute right to not consent to a search of your vehicle. If law enforcement believes they have probable cause, they may choose to search your vehicle without a warrant or they may choose to detain your vehicle to such time as they can get a warrant from a judge for permission to search the vehicle. But if a law enforcement officer asks you for consent to search, you have the absolute right to say no. They may try to tell you, look, we're going to get a warrant. All you're doing is delaying the process, and only you can decide whether under those circumstances you wish to consent rather than avoid delay. My suggestion is to simply say no when asked by law enforcement for permission to search your vehicle and instead call your lawyer right away.
7: And get a cashier's check and go home. I just pulled my money off my credit card and I got reward points because I was on a cruise ship. So since you're on a cruise ship, you get five points per dollar. So since I'm on a cruise ship, I get five points per dollar. I literally got chips (laughs) with the room key. I could max every card if I wanted to and go home with the cashier's check if I needed to use it to invest, whatever I needed to do. And I still accumulated the reward points. So if I need to go buy a house, I literally can go on a cruise three days for two hundred bucks, go pull off fifty thousand, come home with cashier's checks, and go do my investment. But you so you this guy is dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> nah, so,
0: wait, so when you take the twenty nah, no joke. So when you take the twenty, you are paying
7: the twenty back, but you yeah. are redeeming the rewards points that come with spending that amount of money. You can keep the reward points. That's the perks and benefits of having credit. Um, And that's one of the main perks and benefits of having credit. I tell people is that credit cards versus debit cards is that you spend your cash, you get nothing back. Mm -hmm. You don't get big interest from letting it sit in the bank. Right. But what, how do we actually use the bank to, for benefit? What do we get from the bank? Like, and one of the things is that, why they incentivized it was the reward points. But a lot of people in our community don't have that information and know how to use the incentives that they give us. We
0: that's don't even fact.
7: do the research. The research. It's, I feel like, like that's like the fine line. Like nobody's reading the fine line like, yo, you get this, these. I mean, the the most we ever look at is like, yo, can we get air, airplane rewards or airport mm-hmm. rewards and hotel rewards? But there's so many other things like that you can actually be using this (laughs) for. Yo, listen, right? Is that one of the key things is this, right? Um, Today, you know, I got on recession proof, right? Um, But I'm an advocate of my community. I'm an advocate of where I come from. Some people will be like, yo, it's ignorant, y'all. We shouldn't wear designer clothes. We shouldn't do this and and do that. Um, Where support black, whatever it is, whatever you want to wear, where naturally... You know, things that's made from natural products, not cotton. Um, I like wearing nice clothes. Louis Vuitton, Fendi, right now, is some of my favorite Dior. Um, but I know everybody, a lot of people in the community. This is what they're after. These are the things that they desire to wear because it gives status, Mm -hmm. right? It's kind of a sense of status and I'll keep it a buck. It is a sense of status that people want something that costs more, something that's extra flyer than and make it separate. We got people growing up that and kids that don't know how to actually go and get it without doing something illegal. Right. So they go and selling drugs and robbing people for these designer clothes because nobody told them that, hey, listen, you can actually be an entrepreneur and learn business or you can leverage credit and get it for free. So what I did was this. I started going um, I, I don't I don't want to spend my money on stuff. I'm cheap. Right. I really don't like spending my money. So when I get designer clothes, I get it for free. I'm not going to spend cash. So in order for me to get designer clothes, I say, listen, I can run up my reward points. And then redeem the tr- the transaction. So when I go, like I went and went to Louis Vuitton, spent 6000 right? Mm-hmm. Like $6,500 in Louis Vuitton. And I literally redeem my reward points to cover it. How do you get the reward points? People don't know it's the benefits of a credit card. Like you said, your gold American Express card alone gives you four to five points per dollar. Four to five points per dollar, every dollar you spend on running ads. So you mean to tell me you're going to incentivize me making money with your money. Here's a hundred thousand dollar credit card. Go run and and spend it, run ads to market your business and get in front of people. And I'm going to give you rewards for using my money. I ran a hundred thousand on ads, made um, had 000, 000 a million dollar month. On the back end, they gave me seventy five hundred. Can we not let that just go? Over everybody's head? <laughs> 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 we just gonna breeze past that. I mean, congrats to you for that. <laughs> nah, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Um, but that is it, is that. Even with that, I'm gonna stay on that and the power and, and nobody can say it's not power in a black dollar. Right? Because that is the black dollar. These are things that are in services and um, the community I've built for our community. And so this is our money circulating within our community. Mm-hmm. But I literally this is the, the point is that the information I literally ran off my, my Amex Gold, spent a hundred thousand, rung back a million. And then got uh, close to like nine thousand reward points. So then I redeemed it and went shopping at Louis. Spent six thousand. So when you, are you redeeming it? Are you getting a, a gift card to the store? Like, are you getting like a SAX card, or how does that work? Well, no, nah, I literally went shopping. Uh-huh. Swipe my card when I go sh- shopping. In the uh, event that that is advantageous
8: to their position, so. This is subject matter jurisdiction in a nutshell. That is one of the initial topics that you will cover in civil procedure. Some of your professors may begin with subject matter jurisdiction. I begin with the next topic, which is personal jurisdiction. So I'm gonna talk about that right now. Personal jurisdiction also relates to where can this lawsuit be brought. So we've talked about federal versus state court, a very important initial determination, but we haven't talked about geographically which federal court we're talking about. Are we talking about a federal court in Tennessee, Vermont, etc. Where is this going to go? Personal jurisdiction is an important limitation on your choices in that regard. You can only bring this lawsuit in a court that would have jurisdiction over the defendant. So subject matter jurisdiction is jurisdiction over the topic of the lawsuit. Over the subject of the suit. But you also have to have jurisdiction over the defendant or the defendants if there are many defendants. Personal jurisdiction rules lay that out. So, here we have a situation where there's a plaintiff from New York and a defendant from Texas. What courts might have jurisdiction over this dispute? Well, one easy one that you learn about is Texas. Because the defendant is from Texas, you can sue them in Texas for anything. I'm from Virginia. Anyone who has a legal dispute with me can come to Virginia and sue me here because I'm a citizen of Virginia. Again, you'll learn what it means to be a citizen of a place. You're not just a citizen of a place because you're physically located there. There's other things, subjective and objective, that go into that determination that you'll learn about. So, Texas courts could hear this case. They would have jurisdiction. Would New York courts have jurisdiction over this case? Well, the defendant's not a citizen of New York. The plaintiff is, as you'll learn doesn't matter that the plaintiff is a citizen of the state in question. That's not going to render the defendant subject to jurisdiction there. Uh, That doesn't mean this case can't be litigated there. Under what circumstances might this case be litigated in New York in a way that there will be jurisdiction over the defendant? If the car accident happened in New York, If the car accident happened in New York, then you can sue the defendant in New York regardless of where they're from. Same thing if we were talking about Wyoming. Can this case be brought in Wyoming? Well, not based on the citizenship of the defendant, but if the car accident occurred in Wyoming, then we don't have a problem. It can be litigated there. So personal jurisdiction is going to be based in part on citizenship, but mostly what you're going to be studying is the circumstances under which jurisdiction is based on the incident and the defendant's connection with the state through the dispute or through what happened that gave rise to the dispute, something we call specific jurisdiction. So personal jurisdiction is something that is a very important initial determination that has to be made before you can select a court where you're going to litigate a case. Now personal jurisdiction is not the end of the where. We're still dealing with this where question. Federal versus state. We've already determined that. Personal jurisdiction. I've given you some sense of that. There's another requirement and this is called venue. Venue. Now, you would think we've done enough to figure this out. All right, I've got the federal court. Now I know I can go to Texas because the person's from Texas. That's not good enough. Why not? Because if we're in federal court, there are four districts in Texas. Texas has four federal districts. New York has four federal districts. California has four federal districts. Virginia has two federal districts. Some states only have one district like Delaware, Maryland. So venue is based on congressionally enacted statutes and that tells us which district among all of the 94 federal district courts we can use to bring this case. So I may have personal jurisdiction throughout Texas over this person, but I need to know which district to go to we're talking about an individual defendant here who's from Texas, we need to know which part of Texas he is from. Taking Virginia as an example, I live here in Charlottesville, this is in the western district of Virginia. So if someone wants to sue me in federal court, there's citizenship in Virginia, so Virginia state courts and federal courts would have personal jurisdiction over me throughout Virginia. But if this person brought the lawsuit against me in Richmond,